This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, from a different undisclosed location, shout out George Young, is the Tribune's Langston Newsom. How are you doing, Langston? Doing absolutely fantastic. Excited to be in the Tribune's new podcast studio. Yeah, I think this is now the fourth location where I've actually shot a Mizzou Sports Podcast, probably only the second for you, yep. maybe the third. Um, we were in the Tribune's original building on 101-4th. 101 North 4th Street, which is now a school with the Tribune's original location since the Waters family owned it all that time ago. We moved downstairs in that building while the new building was being built. Then our previous publisher wanted us to have the podcast studio across the street at the printing press, but now we've brought it back into our new newsroom across the street, and it, it feels right at home kind of here. Uh, sorry if you guys are having any audio issues this week. We were playing around with it, and this is what we think sounds the best in this room. So we can always change it on the fly next week if this doesn't sound good, but what a good week or not so good week Mizzou has had in one sense or another. Where do you want to start, Langston? Let's start with the good news or the the good things that we can talk about in Missouri's victory over Alabama. Let's kind of look at it as a whole. You know, I think for me taking away on that Saturday was just all I could really focus on was that 21 to 2 run from Alabama late in that game and you know, I, you take a few you take a step back, you have a few days and then you realize listen, Mizzou held on in the end. They nearly squandered a 22-point lead in the second half. That's not great, but you hold on and get another top 10 win. Then you go into Wednesday laying egg against Old Miss. And so it, it kind of, the last, uh, I'm pulling this up, you had this in your article, out, Mizzou's been outscored by 38 points in the last 46 minutes of game time. That's the type of things that when you're looking at a top 10 team, that is which Mizzou is ranked right now, won't be ranked in the top 10 uh, on Monday next week, but that can't happen. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, just kind of going back to last Saturday, um, from a, from those who don't know, sports writers usually write during the game, which is why if you see all of us, we're usually not looking up because we're typing things. Um, so with about, at halftime, I, I wrote one gamer. And usually you write a winning gamer and a losing gamer. I only wrote the winning gamer, and that was true until about the 14-minute mark of the second half when Alabama started to at least show some sort of life. Okay, let me let write a tiny bit right here just to make sure. And then when there was about a minute left in the second half, I completely deleted the 350 words I had written about the winning gamer, thinking there's no way they're winning this game. They blew a 22-point lead. There's no way. And then Mitchell Smith blocked that shot and they won so i had to find that back and it was easy to write but all in all a i'd say it's a good win for missouri and here's where my perspective comes into play if you dinged this team against tcu you can't ding it again against alabama at the end of the day if you call that a bad win you can't call alabama a bad win too just just you can't have both now going on to wednesday and a lot of the <laughs> i'm sure the memories for right now for everybody listening to this yeah that was missouri's worst game of the year they lost to Ole miss by 21 they they were in it for the first half but then the second half just completely blew it um Conzo even said as much it was missouri's worst game of the year and i have this in the story against tennessee you know tennessee looked like a final four team they, they played 
their style, which they were expected to play as a preseason favorite, they just didn't sustain it, haven't sustained it enough in conference play. Against Mississippi State, they won that first half wholeheartedly. So you can at least look and say, that, okay, that's the path that we need to play. Against, I'm blanking on the third loss of Auburn, it was Sharif Cooper and then everyone else. Sharif Cooper had plus 20 when he wasn't on the court. Missouri won by 14. That's just how that works. There's no positive, really, to take away from Ole Miss, other than maybe Ole Miss is better than where they're currently ranked in the net and all that. And what makes it scary for Missouri going into tomorrow, because we're going to this on Friday the 12th, uh, what makes it scary for Missouri going into that matchup with Arkansas is if they lose, they're tumbling. Like, they'll still be ranked come next Monday, but it's going to be somewhere, I think, 21 to 25. Like, this, tomorrow's game is basically just to avoid a huge, huge collapse. I mean, just... I'm not big into analytics. I'm not big into Ken Palm and all the things that don't rate Missouri other than the eye test. I like you look at how they've played. You look at their games. You look at their results. You look at just, you know, not the advanced metrics, the regular metrics. And how do they measure up? And going into this week, anyone who had Missouri ranked outside the top 15, I thought was wrong. Now... You could make kind of an argument if they lose on Saturday. They might not to be. They, they need to be ranked, but it's very much in that twenty-one to twenty-five range. So that's basically you're playing damage control a little bit here on Saturday. Yeah, and then before we started reco- recording, I, I said you know the, Ar- the game against Arkansas on Saturday. It's a must-win, and in my eyes, because you can't let you know the last forty-six minutes of game time spiral into a you know two-three game losing streak here, especially as you gear up to get ready for the SEC tournament. Now we'll see if the SEC will uh, will go through and actually hold a tournament. Now that the NCAA has allowed conferences to kind of decide whether they just want to nominate the regular season um, tournament. I mean, regular season um, champion. Champion head into even if you know the conference championship doesn't happen. Don't want to head into. The, the end of the season going to the postseason with these type of losing streaks these type of mental errors because i mean i look at a, a game against old miss and I'm, I'm watching that game it's just like missouri doesn't look geared up to play this game they play down to their competition and i don't think old miss is as bad as they are ranked but you can still see there's a clear difference between the energy missouri brought against alabama and the energy they brought against old miss yeah i i agree with you and, and that's why this matchup on saturday i think is is a tricky one at the end of the day, Arkansas, who has won five straight in the conference coming into this game, they lost to Oklahoma State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, but outside of that, they haven't lost since January 16th. And they think they're better than what they've shown against Missouri because they had a, both teams didn't play well in that game against Fayetteville. It was just Jeremiah Tillman had his coming out party that day. So this, this is going to be a, a tricky matchup. I do think Missouri still will win on Saturday. I think that, you know, and we'll talk more about Rally for Ryan and all that coming up, but just there is something and I put this in my story for Saturday, is the Ralph Ryan game is always about something bigger than basketball. But in terms of just, if you're looking at on-court things, especially now that Ryan loses in remission and she's doing well, if you haven't seen the online video with her and Holly Rowe from ESPN, you absolutely need to check it out. Ryan loses an absolute broadcast journalist in the making, asking her a brilliant, tough, tough question of what's her favorite Mizzou uh, basketball moment of all time and what's her least favorite Kansas basketball moment of all time, knowing that Holly Rowe tongue-in-cheek she probably was told this by her dad but Holly Rowe covers a lot of Kansas basketball because they're a blue blood um but just you know there's something beyond basketball to keep Missouri men's basketball locked in on Saturday and that's why this comes at a good time you know it's great that they're celebrating all of that but Missouri needs this just to not only is it, a, it it's a must win in terms of keeping their 
high hopes alive. It isn't a must win to make the NCAA tournament. It isn't a must win, you know, to keep them from spiraling further because they could still rebound. At the end of the day, this is still just one more conference game. They got to go. But to keep their high hopes and really a top four NCAA seed alive, I don't, I don't think they can lose this game. And obviously they can do some more to, you know, to get back into it, but it, it's just going to be such tough sledding from here on if they lose this game. And I think they understand that. I think that when you look at what Missouri has always done in the games after a loss, the last time against Arkansas, the uh, Texas A&M uh, during this losing streak, um, TCU, and now it's this game against Arkansas again, but all those performances really haven't been all that strong. You've clearly seen a shift in in the first few minutes of each of those games. They've shown it to be proficient in what they did horribly in each of those other games. And that bodes well for Missouri because Arkansas is just a, basically is a little bit better version of Ole Miss. That's who they are um, in terms of their roster on paper. Now, how they execute is completely different. And Eric Musselman runs a completely different system than what um, – Kermit Davis runs at Ole Miss. It's just if you're looking at the rosters on paper, there might not be two more like-minded rosters than Ole Miss and Arkansas in the conference. Yeah, it's interesting. And and kind of going back to this, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Missouri has lost three sturdy games after being moved into the top 15. Yep. And it and just from I don't want to buy too much into rankings. I don't think Coach Conzo Martin cares. I don't think the players really care. But it is interesting that this is a kind of recurring theme. And you talked about just needing to come back and the emotional stakes that are that do come with the rally for Ryan game. So I'm interested to see how Missouri's going to come out. And it, like I said, it's a must win in my opinion because this is how things kind of begin to unravel. You have an an ugly win, but there's no such thing as a bad win. Then you have a truly ugly loss in one of their worst games, if not the worst game of the season. The. And then if you bounce back and then you lose the rally for Ryan game against an Arkansas team that you beat by 13 earlier this year, that's how things kind of unravel. And like you said earlier, Missouri isn't you know at stake of losing a bid to the NCAA tournament. No, but they're, they have their eyes set on something much bigger than just getting into the tournament at this point. So we'll come back and talk more about Missouri men's basketball and maybe some other topics when we come back out of this. But this week's special guest, as you can see by the title, is Reed Nico. Uh, perfect timing, kind of getting him just to talk about what his life has been like over the last 11 months. And he's obviously very been very vocal in the past about the Rally for Ryan game. So we asked him about that, a few different other things. So without further ado, here is my interview from earlier this week with Reed Nico. Joining the Missouri Sports Podcast this time is former Missouri men's basketball player Reed Nico. How you doing, Reed? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just kind of give us a broad update first. How how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, nothing too new to report. Uh, still kind of just adjusting back to normal non-athlete life. Are, are you still in Columbia, around town? Are you back home in Minnesota? What, no, what? I, I live back in Minnesota now. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, last time a lot of us saw you was uh, – Right about to be the SEC tournament, then everything kind of obviously with COVID shut down. Everything just kind of take us from where you were in Nashville those days to present day. Man, uh, I mean the weirdest thing is like even when we landed in Nashville at that time, it wasn't even an option in my mind that like the game wouldn't be played. And just like thinking back on how quickly you know you progress from oh we'll definitely play to oh we'll we'll play but we won't have fans there to oh this is just done it's like how fast that happened it's kind of crazy and then just how slow life has kind of moved since then just kind of being in lockdown it's kind of weird to think about 
<laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I just just I, I know you were a fisheries and wildlife major. Just, just how is that? It, has that part of your life kind of slowed down too? Just like everybody's, or just how has kind of co- quarantine and COVID just affected you personally? Uh, you mean like how like job or just being outside and fishing and stuff? I, I, I meant it as the latter, but I guess both. Uh, no, I've been able to do plenty of that. <laughs> that's the one thing I still can do, mm-hmm. and that's been good. Uh, you know, it's just nice. I didn't really have a ton of time to do that kind of stuff as you know, student. Obviously, as an athlete, your your schedules are pretty much fully booked and spoken for. You know, you might get away once a month or something, but. No, I, I definitely got a lot of that in. Uh, it's kind of prevented me a little bit from getting to my field initially, but, you know, as as for me personally, you know, I've stayed healthy. My family stayed healthy, so it's hard to complain. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, how much of the team this year have you watched? Oh, man, I think I've watched pretty much every game, except for maybe like one or two where I've had something going on. What, what, what are your overall thoughts? I know, I know you were a part of this, this team, with most of these guys last year, maybe one or two exceptions, just just what 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 are your thoughts? Just being being able to watch them as much as you have. Uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch a te- watch the team and you can't do anything about it. Uh, been a weird adjustment for me, but uh, it's also like the success they've had this year. As someone who's been in that program for four years, like I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was overdue, and you know, just for. All the guys in that program, you know, Tilly, Mitch, X, all those guys, like they deserve all the success they're having right now. It's just awesome to see. I was I was going to ask you about uh, Mitch in particular because I know I, I believe you're the two still, or now he's the lone remaining person on the team who was there during the Kim Anderson era. Just to see yep. how far he's come, and just you knew him back when. Just 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 what are your thoughts? Just how he, the basketball player he's turned into. I'm proud of him, man. Like. Uh, like he, just the growth he has had in his game, and just a well well-rounded player. I think you know people talk a lot, and rightfully so, about how much Tilly's game and just Tilly off the court has matured. I think you can say the same for Mitch. You know, me um, and Mitch were roommates freshman year, so you know I've known him very well for a long time. It's just I, I see his growth, and you know I still talk to him pretty regularly, and just it, it's exciting to see the person he's becoming off the court too. And and what have you seen in that, in that angle from him? I mean, I mean, just everybody obviously. I, I would believe hope and hope matures their freshman year of college to what what is now a, a redshirt senior year for him. But just what have you seen in those ways from him? You know, I think even just kind of towards the end of last year, uh, like he kind of knew he would be stepping into a leadership role this year. Obviously, I can't speak to what's happening in the locker room anymore. I'm not part of the team anymore. But you know, I, I just think that he carries himself in a way, that, and you know. He, he sets an example, especially with his work ethic, for others to follow. Um, you know, I, I just couldn't be happier for him and, you know, the success he's having and just how how long uh, he's been there and how far we've came. Obviously, like you said, me and him mm-hmm. had been there from uh, the previous coaching staff and just to see the success he's continued to have has been awesome. And then you you, you, mentioned, you mentioned Jeremiah there, too. Uh, I think there was a, one of the biggest questions about coming to this team is if Jeremiah showed his potential, how far – he could he could kind of elevate the team, and now he, I think he's answered a lot of those questions this year. To see him kind of realize that potential must must be cool, pretty cool for you too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it's kind of a similar thing to Mitch, right? Like, I've been going against Jeremiah in practice for three years. I, I knew what he was capable of because I had to guard him every damn day. And you know, like 
he's a low down low when he's on like he's on he's i would argue uh, there might be more talented overall bigs i don't know if you find a big in america that's a better back to the basket scorer than him obviously that's my extremely biased opinion but right (laughs) i think he's shown that this year that when he's healthy and when he's clicking he's near impossible to stop yeah absolutely and i know it's recent and last night I was recording this kind of Thursday late afternoon. Uh, Missouri lost last night at Ole Miss by 21. And I, it's obviously, I think, a quick instant reaction. Maybe like, oh, man, that, that was just a bad loss, which it, in theory it was, but it is just one game. What is it about what you know about Conzo and the coaching staff and the guys that are in that locker room right now that can turn even last night where it seems like there's not much of a silver lining, and Conzo even said as much, it somehow into a positive? Yeah, I think the biggest thing knowing Coach Martin is uh... – he he sets the expectation for everyone in that locker room that they know, you know, whether they got back to practice today or they have today off or what. But it, like everyone in that locker room knows the expectation is it's right on to the next one. And his thing is it was always if we had a loss on the road, loss, win, draw, whatever. Whenever we got back to Missouri Arena, we'd meet. He'd break it down. He'd tell us whatever, and then we moved on. And then you know, obviously you have film sessions where you're going over mistakes or positives or whatever, or you'll pick it apart a little bit more, but I think the biggest thing that will help them drop positives is just move right on to the next thing. Obviously, they have rally for Ryan coming up. Uh, that's the game that they got to win, you know. For for sure, and that's part of the reason I, I think I wanted to talk to you this week is, is Saturday is rally for Ryan. You said in not so uncertain in certain terms last year before and after the game, this is a game that Mizzou does not lose, and they mm-hmm. always Again against Arkansas this year. Just what do you what do you think rally for Ryan kind of means to the Missouri men's basketball program? At this, I think in year number six now at this point. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I'm not part of the program anymore, so I'm sure it's getting. You know, I can't speak for guys in there, but I know for me and Mitch, where Coach Luce helped recruit both of us, and we actually played for him. Uh, you know, Ryan was diagnosed like a week after I committed to Mizzou, so for me it's a very personal thing to think about. Uh, I think it's just the anytime you have the opportunity to play a game that is so clearly uh, about something way bigger than basketball, is that it just puts a little something extra in you. It puts a little extra motivation in you. And obviously, you know, the turnout the last couple of years has been great and all the money that's been raised is even more amazing, but – just even the opportunity to take a game like that to celebrate the health of a child who's beating cancer. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. For, for, for sure. And is, is it going to be a little strange, do you think, for a guy like Mitch, who's now the last guy remaining for who was not, who was coached, who Brad coached him, and now he's the only one, only one there. And I know, obviously, Condos welcomed Brad in with open arms because he still works for Mizzou Athletics. But mm-hmm. just what do you think he might be kind of going through? Just Because he obviously had you last year, but kind of playing in this game now is the lone remaining guy from when Brad was coaching? Uh, you know, I mean, I think the big thing is he's just kind of, he's got to carry that torch. You know, obviously, he, he him and me together last year were both kind of vocal in the locker room about it because, you know, guys necessarily hadn't really gone through that game. But just reminding the younger guys on that team what that game really means, I think, is important. And, you know, I think for guys who haven't been in the program and didn't really get to play under Coach Luce just to understand, like, exactly the opportunity that like you have to set for that game and it's obviously going to be different without fans that was always a game we could count on getting a pretty good show out for but uh i would expect that mitch 
just kind of ready to shoulder that load of uh, kind of carrying Ryan's message forward. Sounds good. Sounds good. Just, yeah, uh, when was the last time you actually were in Columbia, uh, Reed? I haven't been back since I moved out. Um, I mean, just with pandemic and everything, it's been rough. A couple trips that I was trying to do that just ended up not happening, not smart to do. I'm going to try to get down there for senior night, though. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. I think as of right now, that's the last weekend of February because uh, the two games against LSU and Vanderbilt because of COVID stuff be rescheduled. Yeah. Uh, but um, just when you're coming back, and I know that some people have some really controversial food opinions when it comes to Columbia, but what, what, where's your first meal going to be when you come back? Man, I, I knew you were going to ask something like this. So I was thinking about this ahead of time. Uh, I, I think first stop for me probably is smoked wings from D Rose is my is the one I've missed the most. Yep. Yeah, I had those a couple of weeks ago and I, I can confirm they're still as good as you probably remember. Yeah. Uh, I, I miss those. Yeah. Um and then just, you know what and you mentioned kind of just getting used to the I guess no, former student athlete life and just what has that process just kind of been like? Just kind of, is it just, you know, getting used to having way more free time than you're used to? Because you were a varsity basketball player in Minnesota. I'm probably pretty busy with that and recruiting trips and all that towards the end of your high school career. So what, what has kind of just that process in general been like? You know, it's kind of hard for me to differentiate, like, how much of, like, the downtime in my life is because of not playing basketball and how much of it is because we're in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been a weird dynamic to kind of navigate, but uh, you know, for the biggest thing for me is the first probably I'd say five months post playing. You know, I, was, I went through last summer still kind of considering playing overseas. Ultimately, decided against it, but I was very at peace with it. And then, you know, when this season started, and you know, watching Mizzou play again, it just it kind of bit me with the bug again. But you know, it's it's been a a pretty smooth adjustment, all things considered. Uh, you know, I'd love to get back into basketball, whether that be coaching or whatnot. But, yeah, it's been actually a pretty smooth adjustment, all things considered. Sounds good. And, and I think I think a lot of people would, uh, back in Columbia, still obviously, you know, last year was quite the roller coaster year for way more reasons than one. Obviously, it ended how it ended is kind of people people's lasting impression. But just kind of with, with Jeremiah being injured and you stepping up, I mean, the Anthony Edwards block, a lot, that came back up with, again, with what Mitch did against Alabama. So I think a lot of people – you know, we're still obviously look look at how, what your contributions were here fondly. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you, but but yeah. you know, your name has come more than once this year. Just I think a lot of people still realize that with you. So when you look back on your Mizzou career, what are, what are some of the highlights? You're like, okay, I remember that, and that that was some those were some cool days. I think the biggest thing, man, is just I mean, I, mean, I, I miss the locker room, just that environment of. Uh, you know, kind of the brotherhood. You know, for lack of a better word, you know, just kind of going through something that hard with the same guys every day. Obviously, you form strong bonds. And, you know, I, all those guys that are still on the team that I know I'm very close with. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that sticks out the most. But, but you also just look at, you know, like road trips and like bonding on bus trips or plane rides in the middle of the night back from Arkansas or whatever. And then, you know, you look at the breaking rights wins where obviously big games, all the rally for Ryan games were big, but, the thing that always just sticks out is the people and the relationships you form. I mean, those last forever. And and, and so how's it just been just kind of – I know you said you are close to a lot of them, but how's it just been just, you know, have they asked you for advice at all or you just kind of just been like, hey, great job, just kind of being their cheerleader from afar? 
No, they don't need my advice. <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't need that. Uh, no, I'll text them. Uh, you know, every once in a while they have a good game or whatever. I stay in touch with them, you know, as a friend. I figured, you know, I'm away from the program. They don't need outside voices. That was always something Coach Martin was big on. But, you know, like I texted Mitch after he got that block and you know, just gave him, you know, gave him crab and said, of course, you had to one-up me or whatever. And, you know, I've texted Tilly a couple times and just said, that, like, you're playing great, man. Proud of you. Same with Kobe. But, you know, yeah, it's more of a cheerleader. Like, you know, I'm proud of all of them. I'm proud as a friend. I'm proud as a former teammate. For sure. Well, yours was against the eventual NBA draft, number one draft pick, though. So no one can take that from you. It was, but, I mean, I, th- I think beating a number 10 team, he might have me a little bit. And we debated back and forth, but I think he, he, he might have had me. Maybe. I, th- I think both both were big in their own ways, considering not people remember that was actually kind of the opposite. That was a – I think you guys were behind, unfortunately, to Georgia by 20 in that game. And that block, you guys took the lead, and then that block sealed it. So very much kind of same same script, but different roles for each team. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, kind of uh, one, one final question for you, and thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me, Reed, is just, you know, uh, what do you think kind of just from now, I guess, being either a fan or just a former player, the program can be headed under Conzo? I mean, obviously it seems like you knew a lot of this was coming the past couple of years and injuries just got in the way or whatever, but it seems like a lot of the pieces have put together this year. So where do you think Conzo can take this thing? No, I think he can take it far, man. I've, I've, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm very biased, but – you know, I bought into what Tonzo said from day one. You know, it, even I think, you know, the Mizzou basketball social media does a good job of putting out, you know, some of his uh, talks on things outside of basketball. And he's someone that makes you want to follow him. And I think, you know, just the culture he's created there, even when you look at little things on the team, like you look at a guy like Torrance, who this year isn't playing hardly at all, and you see him on the bench every time there's a big play. He's cheering guys on. He's enthusiastic. He plays his ass off when he gets in the game. You had a guy like Kobe, who's a young player, but, you know, understands his role, doesn't try to get outside of it. Those are going to be the guys that are leading the team next year. And I think that gives Mizzou fans a reason to be excited and enthusiastic because the culture is starting to stick. And that's really the biggest thing with making a program. All right, that was Reed Nicko, former Missouri men's basketball player. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, uh, yeah, I hope we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. And thank you once again to Reed Nickel for joining us on this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Always great to catch up with the MU alums. And he was great last year, my first year on the men's basketball beat. Went from a guy that was definitely a bench player to basically a team spokesman by the end of the year. I mean, he really embodied what that kind of 
when things were in limbo, if Reed Nico really wasn't on the team, they might have fallen off even further than a lot of fans probably thought they would have last year. And talking to Reed about that, that, that was really interesting. So let me ask you, Langston, now that you had, you had seen kind of Reed Nick, I think you went to really went to school with him all four years. You graduated the same year. You got there the same year. What is your favorite Reed Nickel memory? I mean, I think without a doubt, it's the block on Anthony Edwards' home game for Missouri. They hold on. I think he had a then-career high 13 points in that game as well. And I think everyone in that moment watching that game, if you were a Missouri fan or a part of the media, you're like, Reed Nico blocks the future number one overall pick in the draft there was still a little bit of debate between Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman but I always thought it was Anthony Edwards position to kind of lose at that point and so to kind of secure the win he gets a huge block definitely my favorite memory of Nico or Nikos read me <laughs> read Nico yeah um it's it's interesting for me because uh I, I only covered the team truly when Nico was a big part of it and, you know, it, it, there, there was always talk during Jeremiah's trouble foul days during his sophomore year of, like, we should start reading Nico. Jeremiah, Jeremiah should come off the bench. But it's like, you see Jeremiah's potential, and no, you, you shouldn't do that. So when Nico got a chance to step up, it, it, it was really cool to see kind of his progression and him really come into his own. And he mentioned there that, you know, he, you know, had some opportunities to play overseas but didn't end up pursuing them. But now once he get back in the game, I think that's kind of just – you know his relatable aspect reed was never afraid to show us his just 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 be real with us and i think that not that a lot of the players now don't it's just that there's a level of sincerity and a level of really confidence in just being his weird self i mean it's calling weird it's fine but i mean jeremiah called them you know that last year for for sure to, to me in an interview so i mean i'm just quoting jeremiah tillman there uh but you know just you know he's just himself and owns it and that's that, that's really cool to cover a guy like that i know i mentioned fisheries and wildlife but that ended up being a running joke uh on the mizzou beat for a while that you know how many other mizzou athletics you know athletes have fisheries and wildlife is their major it's almost the rarest journalism i guess i don't i, I don't know except for there are actually a few journalism grads in the mu athletics program that i know of but going on from that um thank you once again reed for joining us um where i was kind of heading with the mizzou basketball talk was if you're mizzou basketball now langston and i have an answer to this so i want to hear yours first where would your focus be just if you had to focus on one target the rest of the year what would it be and why for them to hit in terms of just making the rest of their season good because now we've seen how just Jekyll and Hyde they can be. For me, it's all about forming some type of consistency. What I've seen over the course of the year and, and my biggest fear for this team, and I think this should be the biggest fear for any Missouri fan out there, is that you go into the first round of the NCAA tournament and this team kind of brings down its energy and its level down they play down to their competition that's something that we've seen happen and all of their losses this year it wasn't that Missouri went out there played hard and got beat I don't think that's the case for any of these losses they played down to their competitions and that's what you would hate to see this is coach Martin's best chance at having some type of deep run or getting past the first round because I remember the MPJ team that lost in FSU in the opening round in the NCAA tournament so I, I guess that's my biggest fear and that's why I was you know 
you you said it in your article and you said it on the podcast. There's no such thing as a bad win. But really, kind of watching those last couple of minutes against Alabama, I was, I was just thinking, even if Missouri holds on, I, I felt like they were kind of exposed in a way in the last five minutes of that game, and it kind of just boiled over to Ole Miss, and it, it just can't keep happening. There has to be some type of this is a experienced team, senior guards. There has to be a moment where they say, hey, we're not letting this spiral out of control. We're a top 10 team, and this is how we need to conduct ourselves for the rest of the season. I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, For me, though, I think that what would be considered a successful regular season, no matter how you get there, is a top four seed in the SEC tournament. And you mentioned with how the NCAA came out with it, I can't see a scenario where the SEC doesn't try and play the tournament. It'll be a 13-team tournament, as we mentioned last week, because Auburn is on a self-imposed postseason ban. So Missouri... They don't have to worry about a, a one-round bye. At the end of the day, it's really six of the conference's teams, if the math is right in my head, 13 minus 4 minus 3 is 6, um, you know, that are going to get a one, you know, I've already kind of, it's, it's three teams, or no, actually, it, w- it would be two teams because you can't play, you need four games. So it's actually going to be two teams, disregard that, but it's going to be two teams that have no bye. It would be, therefore, seven teams that have a, uh, one round by seeds 11 through 5 and then the top four advance to Friday automatically uh, with a double buy that is what it is and if Missouri gets in that top four and I think they're obviously top four good in the SEC it's really Alabama's going to be pegged in that one they're going to have a historic collapse away from not winning this conference and then two through six and if you want to include Ole Miss right there at number seven those six teams are going to be jockeying anywhere from two to seven if Missouri can finish in the top half of that group, which also includes Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, and then them, I think that's a successful year from here on out. And looking at their schedule, Missouri has a pretty straightforward schedule the rest of the way. Their hardest game, I think, is at Florida, which is March 3rd, and they might have clinched what I just said by then. Next week is two road games, but it's Georgia and South Carolina who are not in that group. The following week, it's two home games, A&M and Ole Miss, and then that game against Florida. And then you still have the outstanding games against home against Vanderbilt and the home against LSU. So that's why maybe I think Saturday is so important is Saturday can set the tone. It's not the end-all be-all, but Saturday can set the tone for what they could do the rest of the year. They win that, and they get back on track, and they look at the rest of these games, and you can see with the games that are scheduled, Missouri goes four and two, five and one in those six games. They got it locked up. And I think that that should be the goal. It's just going to be tough sledding because that means you have to go five and zero or four and one to get back there. If you, if you lose to Arkansas. And so Missouri's put itself in a good enough position to where calling a game must win is interesting this late in the year for a team, this good. It's just more so about getting your mojo back. Even if, Missouri looks pretty good but still loses. I think that would be more valuable to seeing the vision, even though it's a loss, than playing another sloppy win like you had against a Bradley or a TCU at this point. Missouri does need to have a good performance and a win, but at least getting one of the two I think would be better over what we saw against Ole Miss. Uh, definitely. And, and when I say must win, I, I do kind of factor in that that kind of mojo that you, you just brought up because – the expectations for this team has changed. They were always higher than the uh, when they were picked tenth to finish tenth in the SEC. I know you and I both thought that was kind of ludicrous at the time. Now it has r- risen to 
you know, Missouri is should finish in the top four. And now for me, it's like, Missouri, if you want to vault yourself to maybe you are the second best team in this conference, maybe, you, maybe you're the first after you beat Alabama. It Things have changed for me. So when when I see a team that can reach the highs that it's high, that it's had, you know, three wins over top ten ranked teams this year, to have a game like that against Old Miss is just it's it's frustrating. And, and that's what I'll say about that, because you can see what this team is capable of, and then to have a performance like that, it's just like I hope they put it all together. For sure. And we don't we probably didn't talk about this enough and we'll get off of men's basketball talk with this is that the Rally for Ryan game last year was one of my favorite games of the year on the beat. Not just because it was a – well, get very much because the, the, the game itself was awful. You know, I mean, there were so many fouls, and it went to overtime. It was barely unwatchable at points. But just to have a big crowd on hand to celebrate the life of Ryan Luce and, and honor her and she's in remission is great. And, and really the example that Brad and Jen set in the Columbia community. I, it was my first year of the last year, and it, and it really didn't move me. It, it, was, it was very – uh, ins- cool isn't the word, even though cool was about the way I was used. The word is probably inspiring to see what they, they've been through, and they're still holding their heads high, and they've been through something worse than anything worse than I've been through. Uh, to have, you know, almost as a child due to cancer. So shout out to them. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad, I know Brad is listening in the past. Maybe he's listening now. Uh, but kind of now going on to well, – before we get off, is does Missouri win tomorrow? Yes or no, Langston? I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, they win tomorrow. What's the final score? <sighs> I'm going to go, let's go 71-65. Did you look and see what I had in my story? I did not. Is that what you put? I put 71-66. <laughs> I, I hadn't got a chance to read it yet. See, great okay. minds think alike. Yeah. I, I originally put 75-70, but I think this score is going to be a little bit lower than that. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think a 3-5 to five point win for Missouri is, is, is what's in the story. I just can't see them blowing out Arkansas. Arkansas has too much mojo coming in, and but Missouri, I, th- I, I think, can and probably should win this game. Um, I haven't talked to you about this yet, Langston, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, former Mizzou beat writer Therese Paler, formerly of the KC Star, and Yahoo Sports did pass away really unexpectedly this week. I'm curious, Did you? I know he spoke at Mizzou. He was at some Mizzou stuff. I actually never met him. I was supposed to at Mizzou's Pro Day in 2020. That was canceled due to COVID. But did you ever get to meet him? I did not uh, have the pleasure to meet Therese and just kind of seeing the outpouring of love and support for him um, since his death has been really moving in some ways and, and extremely sad in another. Um, it seemed like to me I've only heard good things about him. And, you know, when you see someone who's a mentor for young black journalists and and who is very active and and helping um, young journalists of color really feel confident and feel accepted. He seemed like a person that was always there to listen to you if you needed to talk um, and wanted to be there. It it's tragic to lose anyone at such a, such a young age. I believe he was thirty seven. Um, but when you know what he was doing for young journalists of color, it's even tougher. I, you know, like I said, I didn't get to to meet him, but. It seemed that he lived a life and left a mark on a lot of people. And that's all you can really ask for with your time here is to make a difference. Yeah. So my introduction to Therese actually was when I worked in Odessa um, when he broke the news of the Alex Smith to Washington trade. I can't call him the Redskins anymore. But he, when he worked on the Stars last year on the beat, on the Chiefs beat exactly, uh, he broke that news and he broke a few other things. But um, we got to kind of know his life story a, lot of, a, a little bit at, since his passing. It's unfortunate I didn't know this before. 
Um, but he started out actually as a prep supporter at the KC Star. He elevated his game just and moved up preps to college to to pro, and now then he was a national guy at Yahoo. Um, but it shows just just you know that how many of the current contingent of national writers started as prep guys, and it shows just the grind that everyone has had to go through. And then I didn't realize also one of my favorite writers, Candace Buckner of the Washington Post, was on the prep staff with Therese at the same time. And I think it was Candace, Therese, and then I forget the guy's name, but I think he covers either the Warriors for the San Francisco Chronicle now or Sacramento Kings, some, an NBA team out West. And just to see the amount of talent that just has put in their time, like Langston has and like I have on the preps beat, it was, it's pretty cool to see that they're in great national positions now. But just to hear the stories about how he treated his fiance and how he just, just the way that, I mean, I'm sure that someone has said something negative about him sometime, but just the outpouring of from everywhere that it came in was 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 really inspiring to see. And I know that Therese was on the Mizzou beat meter for only like 18, 19 months, but he definitely made an impact during that time. And I know Mizzou Athletics has, has some tiny things maybe even planned for tomorrow uh, for him, which is really cool. Uh, but, you know, I just definitely wanted to mention him. And I know maybe some of you listening to this have met him and read his stuff. Uh, it's kind of hard not to, that you know, if you're a Chiefs fan. So... Yeah, definitely wanted to give him uh, a shout-out up in heaven over there. But uh, I don't want to end this week on a depressing note. Uh, so let's, let's go and talk about this now, Langston. We moved the Zaxby's uh, to, to the center, so I can't ask you for the na- the joke anymore about uh, the Cinnamon Hill Lane. So uh, now that the Super Bowl's over, well, where, where's the next hot spot you're reading at in Columbia? What was the next thing you want to try food-wise? Oh, man. See, now you're putting me on the spot. That's I, even more on the spot than, than Arkansas-Missouri men's basketball. It really is. <laughs> place I want to – well, I would say one of the things that the pandemic has done um, to Columbia as a whole is it took away the lunch buffet at India's House, my favorite restaurant in Columbia. Uh, no shots at Zaxby's. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. But um, – India's house is a place that is near and dear to my heart. It was less than a five-minute walk from my old apartment when I was a student. Um, and, yeah, I just haven't been back in a minute. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with India's house. Fair enough. I, I guess I have two. And what, I, I'm also said this is a shout-out to you, is that I really want to try Hosses now. Oh, you've got to. You've I've <laughs> never been there. You've got to. And then, so I, I've been to this place before, but I haven't had any of the food there. It's Gunter Hans. And... Um, it's more so a bar, but I went there on my interview when I was here, and I haven't been back since. And it's like I've been craving it recently. I've been craving that pretzel that they. That yeah, I was about to say it's not really a restaurant. What they have is pretzels, but they've they've got great beer, and when it warms up, they've got a nice outdoor space. Uh, yeah, I don't think they serve anything else other than they serve pretzels. things on pretzels. Like, they do. They, they, oh. Yeah, like some some cold cuts or something like that. Anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out to them too. So, anything else you want to talk about Langston before we end this week's episode? Yeah, just kind of going back to Therese is just you know if you have people in your life that mean something to you that have positively impacted your life, you know make sure you give them their flowers while they're still here. Make sure that you tell them how you feel and that you appreciate them and and thank them for everything that they've done because you know. Mm-hmm things can happen and they might not be there tomorrow so make sure to take some time today and tell people you love them yeah it's valentine's day uh in two days i know we talked off camera you took care of that part of your life i took care of it too even though we hate fedex and ups and all that and they can't be blamed sometimes with the pandemic but just you know we, we did our part and hopeful and i know uh the respective people in our lives are happy but and if you have anything else to say langston thank you for listening to this week's mizzou sports podcast for langston Newsom. i've been eric Blum, and we'll see you next time